two, one. Well, hello, Hiawatha. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. And Hiawatha Franks from TASB. Hiawatha Franks, TASB. That's Texas Association of School Boards. Mm -hmm. uh, we're a risk pool. Uh, we're coming up on our 50th anniversary. 50th? Yes. We provide all types of uh, insurance or risk management products and coverage to school districts from property, auto, liability, cyber, mm -hmm. workers' comp, unemployment, so the whole gamut. Awesome. And Rafael Gonzalez is here as well. Hey there. And we are live in Austin, Texas at the Texas Workers' Compensation Conference. So, Hiawatha, you've been coming to this conference for a while. That's right. What is it that brings you here? What do you what do you what is it that you come back for? What do you look forward to to having happen here? And what are your what are your takeaways? So I've been in the insurance industry and specifically workers' comp for about 30 years. I've been coming to this particular conference about 15 or 20, about 15, 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, it's a great networking opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, you can learn about emerging trends in workers' compensation, talk to a lot of peers, um, vendors, um, talk about new products and services. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a lot of it's a it's a big community, but it's a, it's small at the same time. That's right. You know, I've heard you say this before, and every time you say it, it makes me just shake my head because that's what we say all the time. We've been in this industry for how many years? You've been going to the Florida conference. This year will be my thirty sixth year going to WCI. This will be my fortieth year in workers. So I did the math the other day. That means you were something like twenty three or twenty four the first time that you went. Yeah, as a young attorney. Wow. Anyway, 30 years, Hiawatha. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, um, you know, my dad was a carpenter, and then he owned a small construction company, and he said, uh, when you graduate from college, you can do this, and all this will be yours. And he had a van and a pickup truck and some tools. <laughs> and I said, well, what would I do when I graduate and work? He said, do what I tell you to do. And I was like, well, but I don't want to do that. So, uh, so <laughs> I... I when I was at Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas, I worked in career planning and placement. Mm -hmm. And I had seven interviews doing about seven different things. I was a bachelor's in management. So I happened to know the um, someone who worked at Texas Mutual, mm -hmm. who was, uh, his name was Ren Bass. And through my fraternity, he was one of the advisors. And oh. he was a senior executive at Texas Mutual right. Insurance Company. And he said, we have an industrial training class coming on board. And this was in January 93. So I was the first adjuster trainee class of Texas wow. Mutual. Wow. And I uh, didn't know anything about insurance claims or the industry. And it just happened to work out. And it's been a wonderful journey. Uh, you know, Ren was my mentor. I've mentored others. I've had other mentors. But the industry has been really great to me. That's great to hear. So what would you say? So so let's go backtrack a minute. So you said you studied management at, in management. college, business yeah, management. Right. So you got a bachelor's degree in business management. That's right. And you worked where first? So my first job out of college was at Texas Mutual. Okay. An, um, so you went straight adjuster. to Texas Mutual. Yeah. Wow. Adjuster trainee. I uh, graduated December '92. Started as an adjuster January '93. Um, worked in Houston for a couple of years. Then I came back to Austin. Mm -hmm. to work on the proceedings team where they handle hearings. Mm -hmm. I did that for a few years, and then um, I got recruited to work at 
at uh, Tasby, uh-huh. where I'm at now, Texas Associated School Boards. And when I was there, I thought I wanted to be a risk manager. Uh-huh. So I got associates in risk management. And then I realized there wasn't like much of a career ladder for a risk manager. Right. So then I studied to get a CPCU. Hmm. So then, um, so I, it took me about three years to get a CPCU. And I went from um, TASB to working at the Hartford in Houston. And then I got recruited to work for AIG in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then I got, and then that's when uh, I had a financial meltdown in 2008. Right, right. So I had the opportunity to go back to work at the Hartford, mm-hmm. but I had to move it to Orlando. So back then, there wasn't a lot of remote opportunities. Mm-hmm. So if you want to move up in the organization, you really had to move around. Yeah. So you had to be kind of high potential and have mm-hmm. uh, be willing to relocate. So I relocated five times for work. Wow. Uh, but I finally was able to come back to Austin. And uh, my predecessor in my current job, she retired. Well, I remember that's the year I met you. Yeah. And I invited myself over <coughs> to meet your predecessor. I forget her name now. Uh, Krista. But yeah, I, I came over to, to meet with her and she brought you in because she told me that she was about to retire. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, I've worked at the Hartford work twice. I've worked at... Has been twice as my second time, and, and you really don't want to burn any bridges. Sure. And there's so many relationships you build, and so many opportunities. My boss found out I was moving back to Texas uh-huh. through Facebook. Wow! And she reached out to me, and after a couple of lunches and conversations, she you see convinced me to come back. The power of connection. Yeah, you got to stay connected. You just never know. So I love it's, that. it's all worked out. And, and my my prior boss, she's retired. She worked at Tasby for 35 years. Wow! wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's all about relationships and networking. <clears throat> and, um, you know, even if you leave a job, you, you want to leave it in a better position than you That can. is true. And you got to work really hard. That like, all you got to give it your all. Well, I love what you said about, um, oh, geez, I just went blank. Um, you said something about never burning bridges. Never burning bridges. I believe that so, so much, and especially in this industry, you just never know where you're going to end up or what's going to happen and when you might need to, you know, hop from one place to the other. So that's really excellent advice. But let's talk about mentorship. You mentioned it a couple times. So you said that you're, you're, you've had a couple of bosses that have mentored you, and it sounds like you had a mentor that got you into the Texas Mutual thing, first off. Yes, I've had um, informal mentors, and I worked at Hartford. Mm-hmm. I had uh, formal mentors. Like, they had mentoring uh, programs. I remember one program... Um, I'm a claims person. I was born and raised. I, I just kind of claims is my thing. And um, they had an opportunity at Hartford where you could move into a different role, and they put me in a sales role. And and it was a claims director of claims services, but a sales job. And they mentored me with someone who was in, um, I believe, it was healthcare sales. Mm-hmm. He was a sales seasoned sales professional whole different line but he had that skill set I needed right. and he mentored me and wasn't in my re- reporting chain so I could share with him my challenges uh-huh. and, it, and we, we developed a great relationship and, and so and, and I felt like they really invested in me just to have that mentoring program sure. established and so I, I've, I've benefited tremendously from mentors that's awesome and you said you've mentored people and I've mentored others um Young claims professionals, young leaders, mm-hmm. 
and then I've also mentored uh, college students through my turn. I love that. So what is your advice? Like when you're mentoring somebody, let's talk about it like from your current role at TASB. When you're talking to you know younger professionals or, or newer professionals who are coming in to the claims position, what do you say to them? So something my, one of my old bosses said, and a dear friend of mine, he said, every day you come to work, you're interviewing for your next job. Mm. So, and personally, I think that if you want a role, you've got to get the credentials and do the work before and be ready for that opportunity. Sure. Yeah. So you really got to prepare for your, for your next role while you're in your current role. That's great so, advice. So just, just try to grow and be curious and learn because I think this industry is really about knowledge and service. That's true. We've heard that before, haven't we, Ralph? We really have. I, I, I don't know that you and I have ever had a chance to work together or to personally get to know each other, but as, as an industry, mm -hmm. small that it is, even throughout the country, everything I have ever heard about you, your way of work, the way that you treat people, your personality, your service to the industry, your connection to the folks that you work with and that you mentor, and, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm so incredibly glad to be here with you because everything I've ever heard, it's like you, we said it today, I don't know how many times, you're one of my favorite folks in the industry because you truly live what you preach and you've delivered, right, all of us who have expectations of high leadership, mm -hmm. sometimes those are met, sometimes they're not, right? Man, you deliver and then some. Thank you really you. are. I appreciate it. You're really something special. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm humbled by the compliments. Um, <laughs> th this industry has been great to me, and I really feel like I have a lot to try to give back to the industry. And we both feel exactly the same way. It's why we feel so connected to you, because we know that about you, right? Like you have lived your life and you carry your day to day with that philosophy in mind and heart. Um, and we share in that. We want to make this industry better than we found it. And we know the way to do that, which is to connect one-on-one -on -one and to teach people right, how, to, how to do it better, how to do it right, how to improve on what's already been here. And there's so much opportunity in this industry. You know, people think about insurance, they think about an insurance sales person. Yeah. Right. But there are so many career paths once you get into insurance, whether it be claims, underwriting, marketing, uh, loss prevention. Uh, there's it's just endless, it, endless, and there there's so there's such a need for young talent. Yes, it's just be curious and and explore because yep. people will always support growth. Well, that's what we always, we always say. It doesn't matter what your background is or what you studied in school. There is a spot for you in this industry, and we want you. But, I mean, I know we could have a whole multi-hour conversation just on this topic because we love it. But I happen to know Mr. Gonzalez has a specific question for you. Sure. So last night we were having a conversation, and it really piqued my interest, right? You were sharing with me that attacks on teachers, mm. by students specifically, have now become you know, the source of the largest number of claims in your system. Yes. yes. Holy cow. Yeah. And, and you know it's it's a challenge because coming out of the pandemic, children had a lot of stress right. anxiety, and anxiety, yeah. and um, you know they're trying to grow and mature emotionally, and they come to school with all that stress. So you think about 
they've got all that stress bottled up and they come to school and they're interacting with children that they are, are peers and there's just a lot of peer pressure and then you've yeah. got social media and so they don't have any time to really turn off those stressors sometimes. So it's it's been a challenge and then we we have a lot of teachers and staff who are have their own stressors and challenges and then they're confronted with that type of situation and it and it makes the recovery hard. Right. So we're we're just trying to be more supportive of our educators, uh, our employees that are serving our student population uh, to help keep them safe and also try to try to support the mental uh, health of that student. Yeah. So they need help, and so it's it's a, it's a challenge. And how challenge. are how are you? Tell us some ways that you're doing that. How does what does that look like? Um. Loss prevention around preventing that situation is a challenge. Mm -hmm. So you've got some situation where it could be a, a special education class and it's more about de-escalation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more about, for example, like cell phones. So before the pandemic, I had done some analysis on trends for with the stalls. Mm -hmm. And we saw a lot of assaults around teachers taking phones away. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then I talked to some, a lot of school districts and some had some really great ideas. So if you're violating the cell phone use policy, I'm not going to take your phone. I'm going to ask you to put it in a basket. Mm. So you don't, because that is, that it's child feels violated, right? Yeah. So there are little things you can do uh, to prevent that type of friction with the student. Interesting. It is. That conversation last night, short, but man, I took away... Because then my brain started going, in the world that we live in, you know, active shooter components mm -hmm. to the classroom, in addition to what you already shared with me. And then I've read a number of articles here lately where the financing of the risk to school boards and other public entities has gotten so expensive. The burden of that and excess insurance to the taxpayer base of the locality, like, what a moment in time. Yeah. Right? And so I thought about, oh my gosh, tomorrow when we talk to Hiawatha, like how in the world you know, do, do you meet the day considering all of those challenges? I mean, those are tremendous. One of them is enough. Right. But you've got probably 32 other that you're worried about. It's just incredible to me. Yeah, it, it, it is a challenge. And, you know, I think education is the foundation of society. It is. We feel the we same way. Highly, yeah, we agree with you. His wife and his uh, mother-in-law were both teachers. Oh, My sister-in-law is a teacher. I have a lot of uh, respect for the teachers that have been involved in my girls' awesome. lives. So um, I just, I think the stresses on the teachers are just, uh, I just can't even imagine doing that job these days. Yeah. So, but, but we're here to support them and um, try to make sure <coughs> we uh, do whatever we can to make sure education is a place that's focused on education. Mm. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, it's time. No, <laughs> look, on. the counter's come right there. I, you're lying. That counter has been—it's been played with. There's no way. So far, this is the longest <laughs> one. So I want to have Adam for another three hours. I want to thank you so thank much you. for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it. You're awesome, man. Thank you. I do appreciate you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thank appreciate you it. for having me. In Hasta Luego. <laughs> Hasta luego.